Okay, so we are no longer late to the party. It turns we, we, out we may still be late to the party, but pro- probably. But we needed to change our name because there were people who were already using it, and they were well more established. It than turns us. out we are even later to the party than the people who themselves were late to the party. So, with that in mind, we have changed our name to Game Older. How do you feel about that name now, Andy? It has a lot of meanings. Like, we do older games. We're older people. We think you should keep gaming even when you are older. We think you should introduce games to your children responsibly. That, that's, that's not as much about being older. I guess having the children in the first place is kind of about, about being older. Yes, I would argue that it is. Um, so anyway, without further ado, we are now game older. I am Andy Anderson. And I'm Jonathan Anderson. And today we are talking about Amnesia, The Dark Descent. This is a game by Frictional Games, put out in September 2010. It is from the genre known as survival horror, which, from my understanding, generally means that you're dropped in a very scary place without a whole lot of anything to defend yourself with other than hiding and being very, very scared. Yeah, I mean, the the, the, the survival horror genre is pretty mercurial. It's had a lot of different definitions and has meant a lot of different things. Uh, the one we've actually played together the most is is probably Silent Hill 2. We got that, and that's kind of a, a, a kind of a hallmark of that genre of a thing. I guess you can fight in Silent Hill 2. They give you a stick with a nail in yeah, it. Yeah, you, you have a nail bat. Uh, but like the genre encompasses things as wide as like out to Resident Evil, which especially by Resident Evil 4 is kind of a weird thing to loop in together with, with Silent Hill 2. Don't you have a lot of weapons in Resident yeah, Evil? Yeah, you have all of the guns, but you also have like limited ammo and stuff like that. So it, it works in the same tropes, but the, the genre itself is pretty wide. Well, in this particular version, you literally have no way to defend yourself at all except for hiding in closets and fear. Yep. You run away from the monster. Or looking away from it. Yeah. Yes. So, um, Frictional Games put this out. Um, a previous game they put out uh, is Penumbra. I think they actually have more than one game in the Penumbra series, but yes. I haven't played any of them. They have three. Okay. I looked this up. It's all very evil cult trying to take over the world. Yeah, I don't know much about that. Uh, I know this game and then their their later game, Soma. And then there's another game, uh, Amnesia Machine for Pigs, but that's not actually made by Frictional. I forget who made that. So the most significant thing about Penumbra and the series is that they do give you gradually less ability to defend yourself over the series, as I understand From it. From game to game, is that what you're saying? Yes. Okay. Which kind of leads into why amnesia is so minimal. They became more that way in it's their kind previous of the games. The next one after all of those, then yeah, less cultish, 
right? I mean, there, there's kind of culty stuff in Amnesia, but it's it really transcends that. It's more uh, cosmic horror, like H.P. Lovecraft kinds of things. There, there is an evil, and it is kind of not ever very well, or the the the, the kind of plot evil isn't ever very well detailed. It, it's there are things going on that the protagonist doesn't understand. Right. So with that in mind, would you mind, Jonathan, giving us a basic rundown of the story and mechanics of how this game works, what people can expect if they play it? Yeah, yeah. I, I um, It's been a little while since I played it, uh, and I, I kept trying to write about it and couldn't get it down. So I had to go and do a plot synopsis because the actual plot of Amnesia is not the part that really sticks out to me. Um, at least not like there's a lot of lore in this game and a lot of text to read. Um, and it's not that, that part isn't really what sticks with me, but like the game is good. It, it's more than just like my high minded, uh, why I like it from an emotional standpoint, uh, stuff. Um, at the time when it came out, even the mechanics of it were pretty new. Like the, the, the fact that there's no combat in it, you, there is none at all. You, you must run away and hide. Uh, from the monster at all times uh, was relatively novel still at the time. Um, also pretty novel was the fact that it, it had physics puzzles. So it's kind of a puzzle game. Uh, there, there's, um, there's inventory, you get items and you rub items against other items to make third items and solve puzzles with uh, funny shaped keys. Um, but uh, in addition to that, there's like physics puzzles. So you can pick up most things in the game, uh, most objects, and you can kind of toss them around for no reason at all. But sometimes you have to like pick up a crate and stack it next to another crate and put a board across it and use that as a platform and things like that. Like they're they're kind of cliche now, but at the time, like my, my history of this game is totally screwed up. I thought that I played this game in college, but that can't be true because... 2010 doesn't match up with that timeline. So I must have played this at Kaust. Yes, you did. Yeah. I remember this specifically. And I, maybe I played a demo of it before because there was a demo uh, and I couldn't find the timeline for when that came out. But it felt when this game came out like the physics stuff was still pretty novel. And so I, that made me want to think of it in terms of like right after Half-Life 2 came out. Because that was when everybody was doing physics engines and everyone was like stacking crates on top of other crates to climb up to another ledge. But the timeline doesn't really work out. So I'm, I don't remember why I think that. No, I don't remember thinking the physics was that novel. I remember watching you start to play this game. Um most specifically because I kept ruining the atmosphere for you on purpose. Yeah. And I know that was, we were married. We were living in Saudi at the time. Um, yeah, I remember watching you on that computer. And the stacking boxes wasn't unique. The invisible monster trying to eat you was unique. Yeah, now another cool thing about it that is a little bit related to the physics stuff is that uh, if you play this game on a PC... Uh, which I did uh, 
both the first time and most recently, but with keyboard and mouse controls, it's got really, really good mouse controls. Like it's got a very compelling kind of one-to-one movement with opening drawers and opening doors and things. So your your cursor is hand, but then when you click on things, you kind of grab the handle or grab the door or whatever. And then moving the mouse is an analog one-to-one motion with opening the drawer or opening and closing the door. And it kind of just feels good, but then it's also really compelling when you start getting into the parts of the game where there's a you know a weird monster chasing you and you're hiding behind a door and kind of cracking the door open to look through it and looking through the crack to see if the monster is still there, that kind of thing. Feels really good yeah, on that's, a mouse. That's something I actually read, was that the being able to creak the door open slowly and check rather than just throw it open did make it a little different than other physics games. Yeah, now this, this most recent time, maybe like six months or nine months ago when I went back and actually finished playing the game, I did not play it with a keyboard and mouse. I think I didn't even really have a good keyboard mouse set up on my my computer here at the time. I have a computer that's just hooked up to a TV to play games on. And I played it with a gamepad. And it works, but it's strangely actually much more compelling with a keyboard of mouse, where I, I tend to think of that as more of a kind of detached way to play a game. And uh, because I, I wanted to sit back on the couch, I was playing this with a with a controller. But it, it really is definitely made for a keyboard of mouse. Yeah, I, I can see that. So tell us a little bit about the story. Yeah, yeah. What so there you, is. You play as a character called Daniel. And it, the game the game comes off as super cliche. Like you wake up in it. Well, you, you start kind of stumbling around uh, without controlling Daniel. Uh, hearing him mutter to himself about how he needs to remember that his name is Daniel. Uh, that he can't forget and that the shadow is hunting him and that he must stop him. And, and it's, the way he says it is clear that there's some other unnamed person that he needs to stop. Don't forget, some things mustn't be forgotten. The shadow hunting me. I must hurry. My name is Daniel. I live in London at, at uh, Mayfair. What have I done? This is crazy. Don't forget. Don't forget. I must stop him. Focus. My name is... is... I am Daniel. And he's like, very clearly like stumbling around, in first person, stumbling around, falling into some kind of drugged state, it seems pretty clear. And then you wake up in this castle uh, that has a name. It's like Brandenburg Castle or something like that. Again, the story is not what compels me about this game. Um... Uh, but he wakes up in this castle and it, it kind of plays with perception a lot right from the beginning. There's like uh, startling events that happen like wind will blow and it will blow uh, stuff through the window and the game will tutorialize that that is uh, a frightening event and witnessing frightening events uh, affects your sanity. And the game has a very explicit sanity meter. It's, it's not like a number, but you can like check on kind of fuzzy definitions of how you are feeling and uh, it does the same thing for your health as well. It's like you have a, a headache or you're, uh, you're feeling bad or that kind of thing. Um, but you, you can do things to make those better, right? Yeah, yeah. So I, I don't know that there's anything... Di- you, you solve puzzles to improve your sanity. There's no, like, health kit for your mind or anything like that. There are uh, things you can do to uh to improve your health but right now uh, i can't remember what those are is it turning on lights or having a light with you no in so some way important so having light uh 
prevents your sanity from draining. You're, you're, you can be in the light or you can be in the dark. And when you're in the dark, it affects your sanity. But being in the light does not improve your sanity. Like it improves the, the effect that your sanity like hit takes on the, like when, you're, when your sanity meter is low, there's weird swimming effects that it applies to your vision and it's harder to move around. Those effects are diminished when you are in the light compared to when you're in the dark. But if you actually check your sanity meter, being in the light does not help it. What what helps your sanity is solving a puzzle, making progress in the game. Is there any kind of death state with your sanity? Do you so that have is game over? Not that I've ever experienced. Not You can die, but uh, not by virtue of going insane as far as I've ever experienced. And I, I think that's actually important to realize and was part of my process of playing this game and realizing that uh, is part of why I think the game is good. Uh, but but there's some more, more shallow stuff. So, like, the game is called Amnesia. It's about a character that has amnesia. Following the trope of a video game where your character has amnesia, you wander around and you pick up notes to yourself that your past self has written about your objective. And so Daniel is constantly picking up these diary entries that he ostensibly wrote in the past. Uh, not necessarily to himself. They're just diary entries. Um, and you you learn about yourself uh, and why you're at the castle. Uh, there's a story about like a dig that you were at. You're an archaeolo- archaeologist of some kind. And you found this orb. And when you touched the orb, uh, then bad things started happening to you and the people around you. And you believe that this shadow monster is following you and, and hunting you. And so you come to Brandenburg Castle or whatever it's called uh, because Alexander, who is the him that you must stop, uh, claims that he can help you uh, and can help protect you from the shadow monster that's hunting you. But even as you start reading the diary, like you find bits of your diary, you find bits of someone else's diary and letters and things, they don't all match up. And so even from the beginning, like the game is, is broken up into at least three pretty distinct acts. You definitely move through the game and the game changes quite a bit uh, from section to section. I guess it's probably like floor to floor of the castle as you move through the castle. Um, it's very HP Lovecraft, right? Well, yeah, With yeah. the it, feeling it, and the... Uh, cosmic horror. Is, it feels exactly like that. Okay. I mean, it, uh, and in the best way. It's not the the interpretation of H.P. Lovecraft where there is a Cthulhu monster jumping out of the wall all of the time at you. The game is actually not very jump scary at all. Um, you just kind of know that there's something evil or something horrifying, uh, and it doesn't show it to you a lot. That's um, really funny to mention because I do remember just watching you being ready for a jump scare half the time. And that didn't even really occur to me that they weren't doing it to you. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the game goes out of its way to imply to you that there will be jump scares and then mostly just lives in that dread most of the time. Uh, so it's it's intentional, but it doesn't actually give you the release of having a jump scare most of the time. Most of the time when you do see the monster, it's like uh, a slow, dreadful situation. It's not a monster jumps out at you. Well, and my understanding is if the monster is close enough for it to feel anything like that, you are already dead. Yeah, I mean, that that may be true. Uh, we'll, we'll get into the monster mechanics in a minute. So we mentioned the light and darkness stuff. Uh, you can uh, collect... Um, you're, you're constantly collecting tin- tinder boxes, these matchsticks that you can use to light candles. And there are candles everywhere in the castle. Most of them stay unlit. Um, 
and then uh, you can light them to ostensibly make the game easier or prevent your sanity from going down. Um, there's completely traditional inventory puzzles. It's the bulk of what you're doing in the game, aside from just being in a horrifying situation. There are monsters that are kind of wandering around um, that is different. Like, you don't necessarily understand this at the beginning, but the shadow that Daniel says is following him is not really the monsters that you're... Uh, that you're running from the shadow is less physical. So do you know what's up with the other monsters? Yeah. So later on, you discover that the monsters are either automatons or like the hollowed out husks of people that uh, Alexander has tortured. Um, They, they are his servants. They are not, the monster they're not the shadow that is hunting daniel they are also there but they are agents of alexander who at at the point in the story where the game actually takes place are trying to prevent daniel from stopping alexander um so there's like a bunch of different evils in this game there's the monsters that are serving alexander there's alexander himself there's the shadow which is apparently protecting the orb to prevent it from being used by other people. And that's where the cosmic horror stuff gets uh, comes from because what the orb is actually for and how it will be used, all of that is relatively ambiguous, at least as far as I understood playing the game. Uh, there, There is just some weird ritualistic evil stuff going on okay, that so Daniel gets caught up in. A lot of evil. Lots, lots and lots of evil. So yeah. You started this game quite a while ago and then um got back to it this year what what made you quit what made you decide it was worth coming back to so part of it was what you said like when i play a horror game uh or watch a horror movie or whatever like as far as i'm concerned the point of that is to be scared and to feel horrified and so uh if you're going to do it you might as well do it right but at the same time like you don't want to do that because you <laughs> spoil the mood intentionally because you hate horror. Uh, but then... I really, really do. Yeah. Andy is super not into horror. Uh, certainly not the kind of horror that, that I enjoy. The the kind of interesting intellectual stuff that's it's not just like, oh, yeah, the oh no, there's stuff. a scary guy who's going to hit you with an axe. It's, right. it, it's Andy's evil. It's, it's the really scary uh, stuff yeah. that actually I won't do. Right. The slasher stuff, eh, whatever. Yeah, and, and look, whatever. The most pop culture uh, version of that is probably The Ring. I'm really into The Ring because I think it's a very cool, uh, like, modern myth. The, the idea that there's horror baked inside of a VHS tape is really, really interesting to me. And you hate that movie. You hate that we own it. He had to stop me from burning it. Yeah, well, burning might be too far, but you wanted to get rid of it for sure. Yes, I did. Um, so, like, at the time... The only way that I knew to play it was like to be alone, which we weren't doing very often. And then there was a time where you were on a trip or something or you were on vacation and I played a little bit of it, but then I kind of got stuck. You also told me you were actually too scared without me there intentionally ruining the mood. I'm not sure. I'm sure I said that. I don't know if that's why I stopped playing it, but it's, it's good. It's very good at what it does. Like, uh, and we'll talk more about specific scenes later, but it, it is... It is genuinely a, a frightening atmosphere, and it does that very well. Uh, but I kind of got stuck in the puzzles, and especially with the way I was understanding the mechanics at the time, um, it felt like I didn't have space to figure the puzzles out. 
And it felt like the only way I was going to make progress would be to ruin the game. Like, I'd have to go, like, read a spoiler, or I would have to, like, make the game less horrifying. And what is the point of that? So I just kind of fell off of it. And then once I don't play a game like that, I kind of want to start it again from the beginning. And then I just set up a barrier to myself of coming back to it because I don't want to replay the part that I've played at least twice before. So why did you come back? What what caused that? I mean, the big... The, the real reason is probably just because I built this gaming computer uh, this past year and I didn't build it for this. I mostly built it to play Dark Souls 2 and Metal Gear 5. But, uh, but you know, it made me revisit my PC library and this is a game that seemed like something that I could finish in a relatively decent amount of time uh, and that I wanted to play. Um, so it just seemed like, you know, I pulled it up and started playing it and it caught me again and, and it was great. I guess this is kind of a bad gaming example for how we social game a lot because I did not join him for the majority of this game. It's true, but we still talked about it a lot. That's uh, true. We analyzed it together as much as we could yeah, do. You, I think you did the thing that you usually do with horror, which is to go read all of the wikis. and, and That's ruin, true. Yeah. So e- even if we try and watch a movie, like that's what Andy will do is go read the Wikipedia page on it because spoiling it for herself kind of diminishes the horror. And so I think that was your part in, in this while I was playing through it. You were kind of reading about it in a more kind of detached uh, antiseptic way. Yeah, totally. And it's hard with video games for me, though, because with a live action movie, I will go and find out like how they created the effects and the blood and I'll find scenes of actors in their makeup, but doing something dumb like drinking coffee and having a donut while talking to their friends. And that doesn't exist with things that are pure imagination, like fiction books or video games. So it's a little harder to penetrate that layer uh, for me. So I oh, work I see really hard at it. You, you can't like go see Daniel lounging around not being a horrifying uh, fictional character. Right. Like I know he was created. You can't see the dude in the monster suit take the, the monster suit off and like. Right. So in this weird way created things like that are more real to me than things that are acted out by, by people. Or That's pretending. interesting. That's that's kind of a, an interesting take. I mean, obviously, you can still read the interviews and stuff. and, and that Sure, kind of thing, and I can go look at the animation or whatever, but it's just different to me, and it, it's, it doesn't make sense. Yes. That's just the way it's always been. At a very fundamental level, like in a movie, you know, except for the way everything is animated today, but in a movie, the guy playing a horrifying character is just a guy playing, but the monster created in a video game is the monster. Right, exactly. Like you can't you can't take the mask off. It is what it is. Like I used to watch horror movies with my friends and I would be like, I know what the blood is made out of. I know that that guy is married to this other woman and has a small 3-year-old child. You know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Anyway. So that's why this kind of horror is both fascinating and compelling to me and something I do not touch really. Um so um, we've talked a little bit about what makes this game scary. Um, do you have any more to add and what makes it so horrifying? Yeah, so like I, I've made some some dismissive comments of like the game's central plot. Like it, it comes off as cliched. It is good at what it is, but it is ultimately a dude in a gothic castle wandering around being chased by monsters and there's light and dark. 
and and like you know an ancient evil awakens kinds of stuff it's very tropey and it's scary but it it seems relatively unnotable in that respect um but i think that the game has a lot of really interesting stuff going on uh both in its themes and the way it uses the tropes to kind of catch you off guard and put you in a mind space that's um even more than what you would generally think of in a horror film like this with, with like a sympathetic take on the character where you're afraid for him and you kind of feel afraid for him but ultimately that's that's what you are in a, in a horror film is afraid for the protagonist or whatever you know that nothing bad is going to happen to you because uh, you're watching a movie but i really feel like in amnesia it manages to go beyond that and the horror that daniel ends up feeling is something that we end up feeling about ourselves and and that's really interesting um and the even the idea of amnesia um which itself in video games is a super trope like half of all video game protagonists are amnesiacs who forgot their past and you have to rediscover it with them like that's such a trope um but it really works well here um I don't know if you want me to get into all of why yet, but um, not quite yet. I I would say that first person games to me universally, and this is part of why I can't play horror games very well, is I become the character. I don't care if they have a name. Like I cannot detach myself from that that view of looking at things from a first person point of view. So it's not that I'm worried about Daniel. I'm worried about me well, the whole time. Yes, but even so. That's true. I, like I, I, I respect that perspective, but at the end of the day, you're afraid for you because you think you are Daniel. Like in that moment, you're putting yourself in his shoes. Where I would argue that this game causes you to do that, and then when it happens, causes you to be horrified not for you as Daniel, but for you as yourself in your real life. So are there some like mechanics or events in this game that you think especially cause that kind of horror of being horrified by yourself or by humanity? Yeah, so like the So like on the surface level, the game is is hiding and hiding from a, a literal monster who's wandering around like a zombie. Um and one of the things that I didn't understand about the game the first time I played it is exactly how the monster works. And I did do some reading this time just because I did want to play it and I decided that, you know, having this idealized vision of how I should be playing it was preventing me from getting enjoyment out of it. So I, I did some reading. And the way the monster works for the vast majority of the time is uh, if you are looking at the monster, it is more likely to be aware of you. And so you are explicitly incentivized by the way the game works to not look at the monster. So uh, sometimes this means you see the monster and then you run away and you hide in a room and that is effective. And he might be scripted to come into the room, but if you, if you hide well, it feels like you're just hiding. If you hide well, then he, uh, then he doesn't see you and he leaves the room. Uh, but there are other times where like especially later where there's not really good places to hide and you start realizing that the way you deal with the monster isn't so much about being invisible but about ignoring it 
and explicitly like you straight up you go into a room you put your nose in the corner and you listen to the monster but you don't look at it and if you don't look at it then it goes away and if you look at it then it knows that you're there and it attacks you and you die so it can be really close to you and you can be totally visible but if you are looking in the corner it's gonna leave you alone and you know it doesn't necessarily break the immersion because the game is super shadowy uh, but the reality is, if you are looking at the monster, especially if you're staring at the monster, it's going to find you. But if you shove your head in, uh, in a corner and stare at the wall, it will pass you by. Uh, and so this is the way you play. Like the, the beginning doesn't really have the monster. It's just kind of mood setting. Uh, but then once you start seeing the monster and you start hearing the audio cues that tell you the monster is around, this is the cycle you get into. You, you solve a puzzle and then predictably the monster noise appears, uh, and you start hearing the noise that means bad things are happening and a monster is coming and you run and you hide in a corner and you put your face to the wall and you wait until the noise stops and then you continue playing the game. And that's just the cycle you get into. Um, But later on, uh, as you learn more about yourself, so like the next thing that happens is you you start learning that you had this relationship with Alexander who is set up as the game's primary antagonist. And that kind of makes sense. You you don't remember why because you took some kind of memory erasing drug or serum or something. Uh, But you must know who he is and you must have been doing something with him for you to want to destroy him or whatever to stop him. Uh, so this is very Bioshock Two ish, isn't it? Um, well, I mean, they're totally different genres. We've never played Bioshock Two, but sorry, just Bioshock. Yeah, maybe. I, you, oh, you mean in terms of your relationship with uh, the, the, main the main villain? Yeah, that you're out to destroy him, and then it turns out you were kind of in on it. A little bit. Uh, it's actually more than that. Uh, more in cahoots than that. Um, so, as you go through the game, you are getting the diary entries but you're also kind of regaining memories so you'll walk through a f- what to the protagonist to daniel would be a familiar hallway and you'll hear the voice of alexander talking to you and you talking to alexander as the game kind of slows down and swims and you can't move very well you'll you'll hear this past voice uh from your memory of a time when you and alexander were there talking to each other about what's happening and uh, you start to learn that um, that for some arcane reason, uh, Alexander needs, uh, I, I forget how they pronounce it, but it's like vitae or vit- vitality, basically. They need vitality from living beings uh, in order to do some kind of ritual that will protect Daniel. And so you learn that... Uh, you learn that he's been like abusing animals and like draining blood from them and doing all of these horrible things to animals uh, that in some way, like again, the mechanics of this are not explained, but in some way allows them to extract the fear uh, from the animals uh, to use in this kind of weird arcane ritual. Uh, And this is where I think uh, the sympathy really peaks for Daniel because we are meant to see this as horrifying but so is Daniel, like that, that Alexander was doing these things. We, we and Daniel both see them as horrifying and it kind of starts moving from 
sympathy or or kind of more like empathy but it's more still like this is a horrifying thing that happened in the game around daniel and it is horrifying that it happened in the game right and that that's where it ends um but then later uh you, you do more puzzles do more puzzles you get to another point where you realize that uh in the deepest parts of the castle they weren't just torturing animals but they were kidnapping villagers and their children and torturing them uh, for the same purpose. And it's kind of sold as a way to protect Daniel, but it becomes clear. I don't remember if it's like in the history of the game or if it's just by that point we understand as the player uh, that Alexander has kind of his own motives uh, for what's going on. But because it's sold to Daniel in his memory, and the thing that happened in the past as um, as a way, as something that's necessary to protect him from the shadow, this shadow monster that is after him because he found this orb in this archaeological dig. Okay, so he got, like, desperate and stuff. And yeah. Was but, kind of... But he has, like, there's nothing in the memory that expresses any reticence. He is a willing accomplice to this horrific torture. Um uh so like there's there's two main sections where you encounter torture chambers um and they are rough uh the these are parts of the game like i i talked about silent hill 2 earlier and there was a part of that game where uh you have to go down an elevator um and uh you you get on the elevator and it says you are too heavy you need to be lighter and so, and there's a shelf and you start putting things from your inventory, the things that seem the heaviest that you don't need, and you put them on the shelf and then you get back on the elevator and the game says you're still too heavy and you keep doing this and you do this over and over again. Uh, and until you realize, oh, the game is literally going to make me leave all of my tools behind and you get this sense of dread. And it, it did this earlier in like, I think the hospital basement, this thing that you do not want to do like it's a game whatever but you're like i don't care i don't want to go in that basement i don't want to go down that elevator without my flashlight right but the choice is do it or or, or don't play the game anymore yeah you're done yeah so like these were places i did not want to go in fact i were i'm pretty sure that the first time i got here i went to one of the torture chambers and then I, i i either started trying to explore a different part of the castle or i stopped playing for a bit um and the thing that's important to understand here is that the torture, like the implements of torture portrayed in the game are real. They're not fantasy or they're at least like part of the mythic consciousness. Like I did some research. They're historical, yeah, at least they're, to some extent. I did some research. There's there's reason to believe that not all of these are actual literal historical things that were done in the way that we believe that they were. But the point of the game is still stands like these transcend something that happened in the game and are meant to evoke the sense of knowing that these things happened in real life. And so where before when you encounter something in the game, you like you get a memory of Daniel and Alexander talking about it or you get a diary entry about it with these, you walk up to the brazen bowl which is, I think, the first one that I came up to, which is a metal bowl that they would put people in and then light a fire underneath it 
to burn them alive inside of this hot box. Like, this is a thing. And when you go up to it, and you have to go up to each one of them in order to, I for, you're getting something. There's, it's like each one of these has an item in it or something that you need. So you must interact right. with each of them. Uh, you, you go up to this iron bowl or whatever, and uh, the text that you get is not written in universe. It is written like you're reading an encyclopedia entry of that implement of torture. And so I had this like really very strange sensation where I had gone from like being afraid with Daniel because because we were being, you know, he was being chased by a monster and it's a monster movie to like being disgusted with Daniel because we're both learning something about Alexander, the antagonist, to having real horror that Daniel, the character, is realizing, oh, I am evil because I did this to people and willingly. He's remembering it. But at the same time as Daniel is remembering that he literally did these things, we, the player, it's like we we have to remember at the same time, in the same way as Daniel has amnesia, we forget that this stuff happened. And we remember at the same time as he's being reminded by it, in the same way that he's being reminded, we are reminded that this stuff happened. And maybe we didn't literally do it, but we have this kind of societal horror at right. the fact that it happened. And that our ancestors might have done it and at a time where it was accepted and not just seen as pure evil when yeah, it was happening. Yeah, and that, that he is the benefactor of having done this himself and we are the benefactor of it having been done. Like we are the result, the societal result of a past where this took place. Um, and like the more I thought about this, like even before I finished the game, because from this point... The game is relatively, uh, relatively stock again. It's cosmic horror. You find Alexander. He's super naked for some reason. He uh, is like hovering up in the air, and there's a weird like pillar that you have to push over. It's it's you know it's typical cosmic horror. Um, but at this point, it is explicitly like it uses amnesia, which is a trope. Like I've said. To kind of put you at ease, you're used, okay, I know how to deal with this. There's a character, we'll learn things about him, and then we'll play the game, and we'll move on, and we'll beat the big bad. But it's assuming that we, the audience, are actually, uh, we have amnesia about this thing in the past. And the game mechanically uh, mirrors the way we deal with those monsters. Daniel in the game, and we as the player, are incentivized to face our monsters by hiding in the corner and ignoring that they exist. Um, We talked about like whether you can die from insanity in the game. I've never experienced that. And in fact, one of the things I realized as playing it was that the insanity, the sanity meter didn't matter. Like the only thing it really does is make the controls a little weird. It makes uh, the graphics a little swimmy. It makes the game more frightening as a result, but there's no mechanical penalty to it. And so I started like in my mind, I was like, well, I got to save these matchboxes for later when I'm really going to need them. But I really just stopped lighting lights and living in the darkness and 
being okay with it. And that was really weird to realize that that was a thing that I had chosen to do in the game. It was easier to not fight off the insanity all the time. Yeah, or, or there's no point to it. You just kind of accept it. You accept, you know, what the game is mechanically calling insanity, but literally means playing the game in the darkness. You don't fight the monster. You don't confront it. You hide from it. And you, like... If you don't look at it, it can't hurt you. And I feel like that's the same way we deal with the the horrifying events of our past. You know, we we as a society intentionally turn a blind eye to it and ignore the horrifying things that our our you know our society has done. Um, you and I have talked a lot about how different from other artistic mediums like literature or movies that video games have this unique ability to make you participate in things. And this is especially poignant when it's things you don't want to do. There is a scene, there is a scene more literally like that in this game uh, that is the first time when you start to realize what's going on in the way that I'm talking about. Um, it it do- didn't have quite the same impact to me because it was more straight horror, but you have to play out the first time Daniel has a memory of torturing someone. Hurry, no time to spare. You have to kill another. Alexander produces a knife. He wants me to cut the flesh. Do it. Save yourself. He is a murderer, Daniel. He is evil. A cold-blooded killer. Hurry! Alexander, you must let me be. I have to concentrate. Hate the man, cut the lines, cut the flesh, watch the blood spill, let it come! Please, I didn't do anything! And he he used repeating something to himself. It's like, um, paint the lines, cut the flesh, or something like that. And I think that what uh, what Alexander trains him to do is that if he paints a line on a person first that doesn't hurt him because it's paint or whatever, uh, that that's easy. And then he doesn't have to think of the person as a person. He can just cut where the line was. uh, And it makes it easier for him to hurt people. Like, that's a literal, you must take part in this evil thing that Daniel is doing. But even beyond that, just the fact that you were wandering through this, and like we, we talked about this with the witness, right? Like, the witness mechanically is... You trace lines on a graph and you solve puzzles and you open doors. But really, the part of the game that makes The Witness compelling isn't in the game at all. It takes place in your mind. And that's how I feel about Amnesia as well. That, like, it's it's a really compelling horror game in its straight video game sense. It's good. Uh, there's a, a scene, like, the... The first time I played this game and I didn't get more than halfway through, I thought the most compelling thing I'd seen in it was a monster that's invisible that you can only see because it walks through the water. And it was creepy and scary and frightening and awesome in every way that like something in Pan's Labyrinth is scary. Um, 
that it's just a really compelling idea and you have to like stay out of the water because it can see you when you're in the water, that kind of thing. Um, but playing through this game puts your mind through a series of permutations that leaves it in a place that it wouldn't have been if you weren't, if you were just observing it, if you weren't participating, if you weren't feeling scared and having to hide and having to look at the wall and adjust the way you deal with reality by playing the game, like doing that makes you think differently. And then when you get to the point where they want you to realize something, you can only realize that in the real way, at least as I interpret it. For all I know, this is reading way too much into it and this isn't what they intended. But for me, my experience, playing through the game led my mind to a place where by the time it started talking about real torture, it was deeply affecting and in an important way. I think that this is a very good game and not in a it's well-made sense. I think it is an important game. Do you think that um, it's possible to come away from that kind of participation and stuff in a bad way? Do you think that it would universally affect people in this kind of, um, you know, light going on, realizing something? epiphanous moment like you had I, mean, I think it's totally possible to play this game and not have the same kind of personal takeaway from it that i had to just treat it as straight horror and and not see it as personally reflective i don't I, I like i think what you're asking is if is it possible to come away like with a good like a positive response to the horror or being a worse person really is yeah, what I'm asking. I mean, you're being like oh and if you were going to come away from that i don't think it could come from the text of the game the the game is so far into the idea that everything going on is bad that the best ending is still a bad ending there's no sure. real good ending in this game it, it clearly paints everything that's going on as bad um uh, yeah I, I don't think so like you know, I can't say how you're going to come away from it, but I, I I don't think that the game leaves the the goodness of the actions ambiguous. The question is only like, who is at fault? And at the beginning, you believe that it's Alexander and Daniel is a victim. And at the end, you realize that Daniel, the person that we've been playing as, is every bit as much uh, a, a villain in the story as alexander is and possibly all of humanity yeah yeah and and beyond that that we were not beyond what you said beyond that daniel is uh is a villain you you start reflecting on the ways in which we maybe not individually but we societally are are, are villainous uh throughout history that that was my takeaway anyway and it feels intentional because of the explicit switch to very much more historically kind of framed uh, portrayals of the different methods of torture in the game. Right. Did you, ever, did you go to the Tower of London with me? Did I drag you there? I don't think so. I, I think you went there when you went to London, like as part of your school trip. Right. And yeah, yeah. I, I did for sure. Yeah. And I don't think we went when we went together. I mean, we went to something because we went and saw Crown Jewels and stuff. That's in the Tower of London. Uh, yeah, okay. So, but but I think you're making references to like torture uh, or or like prison and stuff. And I don't think we went anywhere like that. There is some of that there, though much less than you would think. Um, that's making me think of some of the the displays of torture implements used in, right. in England. Um, 
And a lot of those, to be honest, you know, who knows? I, I look at this and I go, oh, really? Are you sure, England, what they wrote signs about? You know, these were rarely used or never used. Or The torture that took place in the Tower of London is much overplayed. But at the very front of the Tower of London, or the front, I don't know, somewhere out in front of it, in, in one of the pieces, is this monument to Anne Boleyn and, you know, the beheading the king's wife because he wanted to divorce her and needed a mm. good reason really i don't know this game's making me think of that personally does there, do you have any final thoughts on amnesia and who should play this game what do you think uh, about it overall what do you think of the fact that i will never ever yeah i mean whatever if, if horror is too distracting for you for you to really get into the mind space then you know whatever not everything speaks to everyone it's it's difficult for me to say because i don't know that this like we talk a lot about what a good game is to like show people to demonstrate to people who don't already understand why gaming is good in the, the way that you and i mean this would uh, be a hard end game to yeah, introduce gaming with and not only because it's difficult like it's it's hard it's hard material um but it requires a level of familiarity with gaming tropes and expectations and even just the way like the puzzles are very video gamey so it's difficult to get through if you don't already speak the language of video games but i I, was thinking more about the fact that a lot of people we know who don't like them um think of video games as overwhelmingly violent and i feel like this would be the wrong game to put out there so here's the thing their expectations so much of the violence in this game is off screen and I don't even mean that in the sense of like, when you say violence is off screen in the in a movie, you mean the camera cuts away from it and it happens not on screen. So much of the violence in this game is thematic where you come to an understanding that it has happened um, or it's uh, like in text and understood by description or depiction. Okay, uh, I, I but, didn't understand that so much. I thought maybe the flashbacks were a little bit more No, no, there's, graphic, n- there's very little this. animated violence. Um, it's almost all mood and setting and understanding. And this is part of what I mean when I say the game takes place in your mind. Like you walk up, the, the rooms that have the torture chambers doesn't have anything going on. Like the lighting is kind of weird and there's creepy sound. The sound in this game is amazing, by the way. It's just absolutely perfect. Um, creepy sound, creepy lighting, but ultimately it's a long hallway with a metal bull at the end, and that's all there is to it. Yeah. And there, so- but it's horrible. Like I did not want to be in that room, uh, and you have to do it five more times because there's six of them, like uh, of different torture things. Okay, I didn't quite understand that. That is interesting. That yeah. It mostly actually isn't violent. And it's just dreadful. There was a little bit of it. Um. Uh, a little bit of it with that scene that I was talking about where you have to act out the paint the lines, cut the flesh thing. Um, but it's not like, you know, it's it's still very detached because that's what they're trying to show is how detached Daniel became from the horrible stuff. Right. Uh, there's, there's horrifying things in dialogue, but it's not even a character on screen saying it. It's Daniel remembering the conversation. And then you, you, you know, we were talking about the gameplay effects of, of the sanity system. Um, this is difficult to pick up through or pick up on in a single playthrough. Uh, but having read about the game, there are things you see that 
aren't really there that appear only at lower levels of sanity or there may be more monsters that spawn in sometimes too if you have lower levels of sanity so at one point there are like guys hanging from nooses uh in the hall uh and you see that because you're at a low sanity level things like that Uh, oh and so when you just get used to being insane all the time everything is more creepy and you're just kind of okay with it yeah i'm not sure how much more Uh, i read a couple of instances of things that weren't there if you weren't playing the game like an insane person like i was um but yeah, for the vast majority, the certainly the most horrific things in the game aren't actually in the game. They're they're in your mind and the game puts them there, but they're not in the game. Huh. Yeah, that that is really interesting. I I guess I mean, because I'm hearing you describe this having not actually seen most of it. And yeah, I assumed there was a lot more in there than there was. At the end of the day, every time I'm coming downstairs and telling you about what the game has been, I'm telling you about my subjective experience. But yeah, the game does not actually put this on screen. It just tells you about it. That, that is really interesting. Still don't want to play it. Right. Yeah. It, it's, it's again, it's a niche game. Uh, it, it, you know, it was successful. There's a, I think the, the sequel is probably easier to recommend to people. We haven't finished it yet. The sci-fi game called Soma, uh, but yeah, I'm much more okay with Soma. Actually, maybe so far, maybe that's what it is. People should start with Soma, and if you like that and you want to play something that's more difficult from a thematic standpoint, you know, Amnesia is totally worth going back and playing. And it's pretty old now. I think you said it came out in 2010. Soma can be unsettling, and stressful at times but it, it's robots i mean it, it's it's robots which well, are just a totally different level of, it's not horrifying soma is still existentially horrifying if you don't see the plot coming a mile away it's very different yeah. i will play soma or you know watch you play Soma. that's I true you thought you were gonna play, play soma and then you were like nope nope i'm not gonna play this and then you went and played to the moon instead which was just a completely like yeah this is more what i'm feeling right now i want cheery uh japanese art colorful two-dimensional game about helping a man live out his dreams that's what i want right now so for the record i that has more to do with the i don't play games where things chase me problem i have i i don't actually find it horrifying but it's one of those games where I will find myself sweating and throwing the controller at things if, if I play it. So that's my own problem. I would not call it a horror game, though. Oh, it is a horror game. Soma? Oh, yeah. Okay, maybe. But more in like the alien vibe. Than, yeah. Than, and it's really more psycho-spiritual stuff that yeah. bothers you than, than Yeah, sci-fi. I don't get bothered by this thing might kill me practically. They're very practical robots. <laughs> oh, anyway, um, so I think that this episode should end with something super cheerful and funny because that is how I like to end things that are disturbing and scary by destroying the mood. And and do you have something in mind? More stupid quotes from uh, Valkyria Chronicles. <laughs> <laughs> Give me bullets and I'm happy. What's a sniper with no bullets? We can do this, team. Ah, I feel much calmer. Penetrate! I... I'm not going to make it, am I? I can't leave (gasps) them up there. Ooh, that's some drop. 
If you would like to email us, email us at gameolder at civilfritz.net. Yeah, and then uh, if you want, I'm on Twitter, as everyone is. I'm Anderbubble on Twitter. Uh, it seems that Andy is still not interested in getting personal messages, but maybe we'll convince her one way or the other. Maybe send an email instead. Convince me. Yeah. Send really nice messages to Civil Fritz first. Okay. All right. Thanks for listening. Bye. So we're recording now. So you're you're in charge until until you don't want to be. Anytime. Yep. Anytime.